you in this sweat box here in a WeWork in an undisclosed location in California. Uh, Steve was captured by the, actually no, he's not captured by the Taliban in Afghanistan. He is wherever the hell he is in front of a green screen. Steve Slammer, how are you, Steve? Well, you know, brother, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, the last time we recorded, we were physically in the same room, and now we're on different coasts. So, you know, that's sad times. But we're here. We're back together again, doing the Twitch thing, recording the podcast, ready to talk about a lot of interesting goings-on in the world of professional wrestling since our last show following SummerSlam. After our last show following SummerSlam, I will say I've been pleasantly surprised by how everything was because I was expecting because both sides got a pretty big pop in terms of what had happened and normally when you get a big pop things fizzle a little bit and that that did happen to an extent in various areas but I'm gonna ask you this first did it not feel like this week that everybody just kind of stepped their game up it just it, for me everything felt like from a performer standpoint everybody's kind of just bringing it a little bit deeper how did how you feel about everything in general? I, I you know, I, I it's hard for me to say if it's that everyone's stepping up their game or if just the general excitement level surrounding everything that's going on right now is just, you know, is elevating everything. So, um, you know, the last time that I can remember feeling this way was back in the 90s during the Monday Night Wars. Right. And I know that it's different nowadays. And it's not exactly the same scenario, but it's that general excitement where there, you know, even the mediocre things that are happening on both shows feels a little bit different. That's actually my my explanation for my sudden uh, fondness for Reggie skits. But uh, you know, other than that, it's it's just there's just a general like vibe going on right now. And and like I said, even the mediocre things feel like they're a step above. And uh, I think that it's a great time to be a professional wrestling fan, man. Well, it definitely is a great time to be a professional wrestling fan on either program. Like us, I mean, I enjoyed both of them this week. Um, a few guys who I feel like deserve to be elevated are going to be up elevated very soon, according to the CM Punk promo that he gave. Um, I do think that after this one him and Darby are going to have to eventually come face to face I don't know if they do it via contract signing but that's kind of a WWE thing um, or how they come about but the two bulls who are about to lock horns are going to have to meet eye to eye eventually and that's the only thing that I felt has been missing um, now I know that maybe they're trying to do this in such a way that and yes seductive steel it is a great time to be a slammer bros fan and you Hell should yeah. be a slammer bros fan twitch tv youtube wherever you like to get your podcasts whether it be google apple spotify amazon we are everywhere baby so you better start hitting that follow button wherever you are and remember we're the little guy trying to defeat the billion dollar monsters of the world so please hit that like button Hit that subscribe button. And if you think we, we do something fun or stupid or whatever it is, tell us in the comments section. But anyways. And we are done. Oh, wait, we, no, that's normally how we close. I'm sorry. I got confused. Damn, I know, right? But, I mean, uh, when somebody right. hits us up in the chat, wink, wink, I, I have to respond from time to time. I thought the show was so good, I just blacked out and just, and just completely missed it all. <laughs>
Yeah, mm. but so so what I'm what I we're going back to it. Darby and CM Punk are gonna have to eventually meet eye to eye in the center of the ring. Um, and what I think they're trying to do now is really just ride off the high of Punk being back without trying to make Darby too much of a bad guy. Because if you listen to Punk, Punk's actually trying to elevate Darby as he goes along. He's selling this as a match like, well, damn, here's this young, tough kid. I mean, how how much better of a compliment is it that, hey, Darby Allen would have been the guy I was a fan of when I was 15? Now, I don't know about when you were 15, Steve, but when I was 15, that was the peak of my pro wrestling fandom. So for me... Some people said that that was like a mild burn, like you're, you know, oh yeah, you're the 15 year olds, uh, you're the 15 year olds hero. For me, I was like, dude, that's the biggest compliment you could give somebody. Well, from I, my I, vantage see, point, see, for me, that was, I think he was doing two things there. One was he was elevating Darby Allen, and I think the other was he was kind of taking a not so subtle shot at, you know, who gets elevated and other big time professional wrestling organizations, <clears throat> WWE. Yes. So basically, because, because his point is, is that would Darby Allen, who who would be an equivalent to Darby Allen on on either brand right now? I I know that they're not exactly the same, but look at the difference in how Ricochet was was booked on Raw, and what's happening with Darby Allen in AEW. It is night and day. Night and day. Yeah, I mean, dude, Ricochet in AEW would be a massive freaking superstar. Because it's high-flying, it's violent, he's got a great look, great build, he's not horrible on the mic. Um, and plus, and when he his, does flips, he can actually land them. Yes, he does. And the thing is, does his style ricochet, since we're on the subject, does his style not just look like it was tailor-made for the AEW fans who, like, who are kind of like us, where they want to get lost in it? So... I don't, I love when, I love high spots, but I love high spots that make sense. All of Ricochet's high spots look like, okay, this guy is like a fucking video game character who's designed to smash people. It doesn't, it it looks like it's got a hint of realism to it. I can enjoy it. His money in the bank high spots were some of the best, best parts of that match that day. Um, But yeah, I I 100% agree with you. And honestly... Since we are on the subject, there are there's actually a couple guys in the WWE locker room who I do feel should just leave. They're being buried. They should just leave the WWE, go make a name for themselves elsewhere, get that cachet, that respect, and then maybe come back. I am fascinated to hear this list. Well, Ricochet was one who I feel, because I feel like they're just burying him, um... That he gets some wins when they need a guy. You you said it best in Money in the Bank when you need a when you need somebody to do some cool high spots. They'll acknowledge his existence, put him in the show. But when it comes well, to that, you should be thrilled then because we're going to be in Las Vegas for Money in the Bank next year, which means that Ricochet will get his push right before then, and we'll get to see him do some some fancy ladder stuff live and in person at Allegiant Stadium next year. So you should be thrilled. Yeah, but then then a guy who they <laughs> ruined their push, he'll get fed to them, and then life goes on mm-hmm. um, personally. And then this is one you and I have uh, I have said talked about, but I have not talked about it on air yet. And after watching SummerSlam, Dominic, Dominic Mysterio would do very, very well for himself if he either went to NXT or he went to AEW. 
WWE, he's just not at that spot yet. His body hasn't filled out. He looks good in the ring. His move set is good, but he needs to do some work on the mic. There's a few th- there's a few glitches in his game that he needs to work on. And I honestly feel both him and Ricochet in AEW, given that fan base, given what they like over there, um, and given the fact that those two would go in and immediately be more talented than about 90% of the guys who work there right now, that's just a fact. That's not a knock against any of them. Uh, I love the top 10% there more than anybody, but we can both admit that there's a huge discrepancy between upper card and even the even the the middle of the mid card right now. Like that's a huge discrepancy that I think that a guy like a, like Ricochet and Dominic could just go in there and just do very very well for themselves, build a name, get to really you know, because right now, Dominic is going to be pigeon-held to being Rey Mysterio's son for the rest of his freaking uh, WWE career. He's not going to escape it. He had a chance to escape it. If they would have ended the Seth Rollins thing a little bit better, even if, even if Dominic lost, but they did it in a way where he was elevated, he should be a guy who's in the perennial – he should be in the perennial view of contendership for the Intercontinental Championship right now, if they played it right. But they didn't. Now he's attached to his dad forever, and he's not going to be able to do anything or get any sort of push unless his dad gets him there. So that's why I would say Dom has got to leave. Go make his own name at AEW or NXT. That's what I would. That's what I would suggest to him. But you're you're giving me a hesitant well, look, so I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So so Dominic is an odd one. So um, in the in the expected reboot of NXT that should be happening soon. Um, I would agree with that. I would say AEW, Dominic might have been better off being there six to 12 months ago. You know, now they're getting a little top heavy. Some of their younger stars are being a little more established. And he's very green. So, you know, I, I think it would have been actually more beneficial for him to be there, you know, like I said, six to 12 months ago. Now, if he went there, he'd just be another face. Um, I think the reason why Dominic is attached at Ray's hip is because I think it's actually part of Ray's contract ever since he lost his eyeball to Seth Rollins (laughs) you know he needs somebody to be able to see for him and and take him to and from the ring I think that's why Dominic actually carries Ray to the ring um you know I mean he is technically physically handicapped now I mean he's disabled he's a disabled wrestler he lost his eyeball but but, in a sanctioned WWE match by the way but he, but he magically got his eyeball back, though. I mean, you know, he's a chameleon. He'll be fine without him because eyeballs just magically come back. Isn't that right? Answer me in the chat. Uh, do eyeballs magically reattach? Because according to uh, the WWE, they just magically reappear after, after you get them se- a freaking severely damaged, uh, ripped out of your socket uh, with the corner of some steel steps by the ring. So I guess, you know... I guess the hey. laws of uh, bio- <laughs> biology don't. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It was. It was incredibly but, stupid. But but hey, I mean, you know, I, you're you're. I, I, it's not that I'm down on Dominic. I think you're a little higher on him than I am. Um, he's still very raw to me. Yeah. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of him actually since he has been teaming with Ray, and I think that if you want him to <clears throat> learn uh, learn under the uh, the learning tree, so to speak. Um, you know, there's two ways to do it. Either he teams with Ray, 
or he well or he could be managed by Ray or he feuds with Ray. So I don't think anyone's ready to see father versus son because in no way shape or form should Dominic be beating Ray at this point and if they if Dominic's not going to beat Ray then what the hell's the point of even having him do it. So <clears throat> you know, they've started to sprinkle some some nuggets in there with Dominic being overconfident and and Ray having to kind of, you know, make him pay attention. I think they're setting the, the scene for something that could materialize down the road or not. But um, I, I agree with I agree with your general concept, though, in that he's he's kind of just there. Yeah. And it feels like he should be more. He should. And then when we were watching the SummerSlam match with the Usos, everybody in the crowd were just yelling like, Dom, get up like. He he looked weaker in that match than I would say Nikki Ash looked at times in the women's trios match, just based on how they had him. Not Now, that's not his fault. I just think of how he took the offense, how he acted. Like, people were literally infuriated with him in the crowd. I don't know if that was by design or if they're just improperly using him. He was selling out on the uh, out on the floor so long that I was really starting to think that he was going to turn on Ray after the match. I thought so too. I thought he was either a legitimately hurt, or b he was going to turn on turn on Ray. That that you is correct. The only place where people get legitimately hurt is in AEW. <laughs> I think Matt Hardy might have broken his nose. I mean, my God, he was bleeding like a stuck pig from his face. Yes, he was. Yes, he. Anyway, was. I'm sorry. You were you were on your point about underutilized talent, sir. Yeah, under underutilized talent. There's so many of them. It's tough to name. And for me, I think that you know. I, we now have the WCW of this era, which is AEW, whether people like it or not, that's the where it is. Um, now we just need an ECW to emerge. Maybe Ring of Honor gets a bigger push. Maybe Impact uh, settles a lot of its financial woes over time. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I where I feel it is. And what what I think is going to be great for the wrestling industry, and more importantly, the wrestlers. Now, the wrestlers are going to have power back in some way. That, that we have in our professional lives, when something sucks, if we're mistreated, there's a bunch of other places that we could go to and work. And a lot of people listening to this right now, they share that sentiment where it's like, okay, you don't want me to push code for you here. I got 500 other places I can go to next week. Good riddance, bye, right? If you're a professional wrestler, at least up until like maybe two years ago when AEW became a thing, it's like, hey, I don't like what you're doing with my character. Okay, cool. Uh, do you want us to release you and you can go work indies? Is that what you want to do? Do you want to just go work indies? Do you want to sell some protein powder on your Instagram? Now it's like Tony Khan is right there. Now you have options. And I think that, you know, if they pull it off correctly, I think we might see a miniature territory resurgence where, you know, you might see a couple other promoters come up and get some TV time. Like, hey, look, Dynamite's pulling in 1.3. I'm pretty confident I can at least get you half a million viewers a week for a wrestling program. I think there's going to be more options for the wrestlers. I think there's going to be good, healthy competition. And I think that ultimately the wwe product is going to be better because of it because now they're going to be forced to at the very least make themselves look like they're the dominant wrestling force and which let's be honest after we went to SummerSlam, they clearly are it ain't even close oh, yeah. right now but 
AEW is getting a little closer to the heels. So go go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what if if anything, the success of AEW is proving that the the model of uh, when you're starting a wrestling promotion. So we can look at the origins of TNA, or we can look at you know the the fact that Ring of Honor has only been able to go so far, or even the you know the the revival of NWA. Yeah. Right. The difference in all of that is Tony Khan is not a millionaire. He's a, he's, he's a billionaire, or at least yep. he has access to his father, who's a billionaire, yep. right? And I'm not like one billion. We're talking multiple billions of dollars, Seven, right? Uh, $7.6 billion. Right? So you, 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 you have to have that much capital mm-hmm. nowadays to get something off the ground that's going to look legitimate. So when you look at what the physical look of impact on TV feels grungy. Very much the so. Physical, yeah. The physical look of um, NWA power or uh, pick, pick, a, pick a place, right? Like it yeah. always looks like a hair below. WWE is obviously a, a major production and Impact, or not Impact, I'm sorry, uh, AEW, it's got a dark look to it, mm-hmm. but it looks like a professional show. It does, yeah. The, the production quality, not always the wrestling, but you know, hey, you know, so, so you got the bill, you got the billionaire, you got the you got the national TV contract on on TNT, you know, and those are the things that you need to get in to get your foot in the door. I'm sorry, I know that Impact tried to compete with WWE when they were on Spike, but what channel are they on now? Is that, are they still on Destination America? I don't even remember. I don't even know what Pop, channel. Pop TV, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I always see them on my TV, but it's always in one of those obscure channels in like the 700s or something you, like you, that. You know what Pop TV used to be? What did Pop Fuse TV, was it? No, it used to be the TV Guide channel. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. So basically they're on the TV Guide channel. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I agree with you, man. But so that's why you would need somebody like a Mark Cuban to want to get involved, who would probably do something like that. You're gonna yeah. need like you're gonna need to make this something to where it gets back into the mainstream appeal. But I could totally see somebody like a Mark Cuban, dare I say, an Elon. Okay, I want to see what Elon Musk would do with professional wrestling. I want to see an Elon Musk professional wrestling show. They all drive to the ring in Teslas. It'd be amazing. Well, I mean, so if you if you look at that, and I know we're we're kind of getting in, involved in a big discussion here, but you you said you know there's the big two right now. What would it take to get an ECW like back in the day? And if you remember, ECW was always in financial difficulty. Like they, oh, yeah. they like they got to a certain point just based on their their niche audience, which I was a member of. It's not an insult to anyone who was an ECW yep. fan. I was a big ECW fan. Dude, I had the PlayStation but, video game. I was a fan too. Right. Go ahead. But with, without the licensed music, though, which sucked. But, <laughs> but um, it, nowadays, like, if you want like, let's say, let's take NWA or, or Ring of Honor. Pick one, right? Yeah. So, so and um, we'll use Ring of Honor. So, Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, right? Yep. And there's a certain level that they got to. If Mark Cuban came tomorrow and said, here's what I'm going to do. I want to buy Ring of Honor, and I'm going to invest a billion dollars into, or half a, half a billion dollars into Ring of Honor, you would have... Within two years, you'd have a big three. You would, 100%. Because now there's competition for the talent. Ring of Honor already has a pretty pretty good pool of talent. Um, you elevate that on a national stage with the backing of all that money and that and that and that uh, celebrity that comes in. You'll start attracting talent, and 
and it would be the same if it was NWA. It would be the same if, if Impact was sold. If Impact was sold to Mark Cuban tomorrow, within two years, Impact would be elevated into that level, provided that Cuban was willing to spend the money to do it. Exactly. And what I'm saying, and to, to my original point, I really do think that if they keep playing this properly, it the professional wrestling is going to become more attractive to other other destinations. So, and I think and I think that you know you're going to have a couple major guys who come in. I I think within five years we're going to have four if it's played rightly correctly I should say we're going to have four major wrestling promotions and you and I are going to be pretty goddamn busy throughout the week. But I can see four. I can see another billionaire with a cowboy hat let's see elon musk with that cowboy hat baby elon <laughs> musk comes in cowboy hats fucking cowboy boots makes the wrestling community fall in love with them boom now we got fucking elon musk wrestling but i do think there's got to be a there's got to be a young paul Heyman out there who's a little bit more business savvy who could maybe create something from the ground up and do something new that isn't fucking hitting people over the head with light tubes. Man, people think that that Tony Khan's booking is ADD. I can't. I don't even want to think about Elon Musk's book wrestling booking. I, I I can't even. I don't even want to try and wrap my head around that one. Dude, it would. After everything I know and after everything I've heard about that guy, yeah, I would. I would want to watch that. I just wouldn't want to work with that, if that makes sense. I think I would get a headache after about three episodes. I'd just be like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> no, it would be coherent. I mean, look, if you look at a Tesla, the design is very sleek, sexy, simple. I think that's what it would give us. It would just be sleek, sexy, simple wrestling. The that Tesla people... of professional wrestling. Dude, it would, be, it would most certainly be the Tesla of professional wrestling. Mark my words. If they pull this off correctly, we are going to see four players, and then the the level of talent we are going to see in professional wrestling is just going to be amazing, and it's only going to make each company, including the WWE, significantly better because now the talent is going to have options, and then you're going to go back to a time when the adult pro wrestlers would be like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's fucking stupid for my character. And here's why here's what we're going to do instead. And that's when you used to have a great product because you had guys with power who could say, who could turn down shitty plot points, or you at the very least had to meet them in the middle somewhere where it's like, okay, look, you've been the champ for 15 months. You got to drop it. I know you don't want to drop it to this guy. How about you drop it to this guy, and then we'll we'll work this angle over here, right, or something. Uh, you know, hey, I, I will say that, you know, I know that the, the era of long title reigns has gone out the window since about the, the early 90s minus, you know, the, the, the CM Punk reign, a couple of the Brock Lesnar reigns. I mean, Triple H um, had, like, had the belt for... I mean, well, I don't know if he had the rain, but it feels like he would lose it for a month, get it back for two months, well, lose I'm, it for a I'm month. I'm talking about consecutive. Oh, consecutive, games, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like long title reigns, like, you know, like the days of Bruno San Martino holding the title for seven years is over, right? But there, there's more interest to me in what they're doing, for example, with Roman Reigns right now, because now Roman Reigns has crossed the threshold, in my opinion, to where when he gets beat for the title it's going to be significant yes very much right so So who's going to be the person 
and how do you capitalize on this? And that's why, you know, the fantasy booking of, oh, well, you know, it would be nice to, you know, have seen a beat him. And it's like, I, while you could see them doing that, it makes no sense considering all the buildup that they've done. If the person that dethrones him is, you know, John part-time Cena, who's just going to drop the title in a month anyway. Yeah, so for me and, it's And it like, shouldn't be The Rock either, by the way. It should not. And basically what I think happens is, to your point, if you remember the Ultimate Warrior, who did he beat? He beat Hulk Hogan, and that was yep. when Hulk Hogan had a, had a huge reign. And it happened at a time when freaking Ultimate Warrior was going up, he was white hot, and that belt is ultimately what put him over and said, hey, you're the guy now. Now, even though he didn't live up to it, that's what, it, that's what I think it means, to your point. So, oh, and, 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 and that happened twice with the Warrior, because who did he beat for the Intercontinental title? Didn't he beat Macho Man for the? He beat no, Ma he beat the Honky Tonk. He beat. Oh yes, yes, he beat the, the Honky Tonk Man. Intercontinental Champion, right? And he beat him in 30 seconds. Yeah, he kicked his ass, right? He kicked the but, shit but out of him. Yeah. Honky Honky Tonk Man held the Intercontinental title for so long, and he was such a slimy piece of shit and holding on to it all the time, right? Yeah. That when the Warrior came in and just and just, you know, killed him. Yeah. And took the title like that. Uh, it was more than just you know like I talked the other the other episode about um, you know them just putting the belt on somebody and expecting it to elevate them. They could have just put the Intercontinental title on the Warrior and, you know, it would have added to his to his his resume. Persona. Yeah. But the way that it was booked and set up and led into and, and they had Honky Tonk Man set up so that when he was pinned, it mattered. Same yeah. with Hogan in the in the in the Sky Dome. You know, yeah, he was only champion for a year, but he was so dominant for so long. Yeah. And then just that that kick out at three point one, right? Yeah. Like he got his shoulder up after the three count, like it meant something that the warrior pinned him yeah. for the title. Yes, and it did. And Roman Reigns is in that category right now, and and Bobby Lashley is approaching that that category. I agree. Um, even though the whole SummerSlam, have we have we found out whether or not Goldberg was actually hurt or if it was a kayfabe injury? I think I, I, from everything I've read, it was done to to set up another match between them, which I think is the most awful idea that I've ever heard. Is it going to be a blood money match in? Uh, probably. Ah, got Saudi, it. A Saudi Arabia match. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think I think that would probably make the most sense for it to happen. Um, which is so, it, it it does nothing for Lashley. No, here's the thing, Sheamus working with Lashley that that interests me. Because that's going to be, you and oh, I, yeah. when we were talking about Damian Priest and uh, Sheamus, we were like, Haas fight. And how cool was it when, you know, the crowd was a little restless and then just see, just being there live and seeing Sheamus get the crowd back into the match and care. And it was just that little double bicep pose he was hitting yep. just to get the people back in. Like, for me, uh, I think Damian Priest could be a contender but he's got to be a heel, unfortunately. Um, I don't think the – I mean, I personally love me some Damian Priest, but after seeing the crowd, I just don't think the masses are going to accept him as a babyface, kind of like what happened with Roman Reigns. Like, you didn't really accept him as a babyface, but as a heel, he's going to be sensational. That's what I think is going to happen. But going to your point, um, we talked about this many times on the show – 
in and SmackDown, they've done a great job of setting up multiple threats, multiple angles mm-hmm. that Roman can go to. They gave us Cena, now they got Brock, but if Brock didn't fail, we have Finn Balor's in the running. You, they did a good job of showing, hey, Big E holding the briefcase like he's still there. You have, like, about a year's worth of feuds there. Monday, it's like, I think they work Sheamus. They were like, all right, guys, uh, everybody pick straws. Whoever picks the short straw, you're going to work Lashley. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think it's cool how they set it up with Lashley abandoning him. Maybe he's they're, they're going to work that into the story a little bit. Um, but, yeah, there's nobody really believable. There's no believable threats to Bobby Lashley that I'm looking at over at Raw. Well, I'm going to I'm going to slightly disagree in that, um, you know, one of the questions that I had coming out of SummerSlam was, is, okay, well, what's next for Lashley? Because no one's been set up. Yeah. And then right out the gate on Raw, you get Damian Priest confronting Lashley, which I was like, oh, okay, this is not this is unexpected. This is kind of interesting. Am I ready to see Damian Priest, freshly minted United States champion, get fed to Lashley? No, but they but they got around that with the interference and then the tag match set up. The the tease of of issues between Sheamus and Lashley was also I found that very interesting because I would love to see a a Sheamus versus Lashley match. But again, you know, is Damian Priest or or Sheamus going to beat Lashley for the for the world title? No. Yeah. Just like is Brock Lesnar going to be? Roman Reigns for the title? He shouldn't. Yeah. Right? So, but you're continuing to feed people, big names, to these dominant champions so that when it comes time for them to drop the title, they drop all that credibility that they've built up from all the people that they've beaten, and this is especially true in Roman Reigns' case, to whoever is going to be, whoever's going to carry the torch at that particular moment, and they just have to make sure that they get it right. Sometimes they get it right, and sometimes, in the case of the Warrior, they don't. Hundred percent. No, you uh, you definitely you definitely hit the nail right on the head there. Um, what did you feel? Because I know that you are not the biggest Alexa Bliss fan, uh, or not the biggest fan of her basically taking over the Fiend gimmick, basically with the whole Harley Quinn thing. You and I have shit on that to death. What did you feel about her coming out? and interrupting Miss Charlotte Flair's uh, promo. How do you like that feud? What do you think about it? I think if I was seeing a feud between Alexa Bliss and Charlotte Flair for the title, I'd say, okay, well, you know, it's, it gives Charlotte something to do. The, the Alexa Bliss is the Lady Fiend thing, I was hoping would, would run its course by now, but it's clearly not. And, I've, and honestly, I think this is the first time that I've ever really agreed with Charlotte Flair because the look on Charlotte Flair's face was more like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, 100%. Like, really? Like, really? This, this is what I... Well, I mean, basically, Rhea, Rhea and her ran their course because Rhea Ripley is the one woman who I think is believable. Like, have you seen... Are you? Do you follow Rhea on uh, Instagram? Yeah. Dude, she was uh, freaking doing uh, rack pulls with 365 pounds, and she's nothing but a buck 40. She's, she's, she's yeah. She's a, she's a she's strong. A, she's a beast. She is a beast of a woman, and I'm like, okay, you can you can beat her. And then she was standing next to Riddle, and I've, I've trained with Riddle a few times. He's mm-hmm. a big boy. She's, yeah. like, almost, like, Riddle size, like, and all compact. So I'm like, okay. They, but she's going to work a tag team with 
Nikki Ash, and that's happening because I believe uh, it's not Tamina. Uh, it's um, who is one how, half of the tag team? How, how far has has Shayna Baszler fallen? Dude, Shayna Baszler. My God. Dude, like she's they they, they fucked her up so bad. They have they since like dude. We're talking about a female MMA legend here. Not just a former fighter. This woman was a legend. Like, on every freaking top women's fighter list, she's top 15 easy because she's one of the, she's one of, like, the founding, I guess you call them the founding mothers of mixed martial arts in terms for women. Mm -hmm. um, she came out. She was a total badass. That freaking Kimura suplex that she hits, mm -hmm. oh, my fucking God, that is money. But then you're right. They broke her. They paired they, her with. They fucked up the booking. They fucked up the booking with her. They honestly fucked up the booking with Nia Jax, making her like her move set like that of Rikishi now. Um, well, yeah. I'm I'm they, not I'm not a fan of that because if. They, go ahead. Because if they would have booked it correctly, you would have plenty of options for Charlotte Flair to feud with. That way, you didn't have to go through a month of that superhero angle. You wouldn't have to fucking now put in somebody like the fiend alexa bliss because look I'll, I'll be real with you i like alexa bliss too unfortunately for me when you compare her to a rhea ripley when you compare her to a charlotte yeah. flair she's not in that league but you tell me like hey Shayna baszler versus charlotte flair if Shayna was booked correctly i'd be like yeah i've seen Shayna just freaking destroy women in the cage i could see her beating charlotte like you can do that with Nia Jax, but now you can't do that. And now two of your, one of your most dominant females, now she's going to be in the tag division just freaking doing, uh, like, with Nikki Ash has something to do for a while. So so go ahead. Well, did you see any of Shayna Baszler's booking in NXT? I, I, I caught it a little bit. I know she was part of the, the Mae Young tournament. Um, well, yeah. So, well, well, just in general, her booking is the NXT Women's Champion. I mean, I, she did she did drop the title to uh, Io Shirai for a little while, but I mean, she she was booked as a dominant, freaking badass killer. Yeah. Right. And this is twice now that that WWE has screwed up a ready-made character coming out of NXT because they did it with Oscar. Oscar came out of NXT. She was undefeated for two years, and then they had her lose to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Yeah. So Shayna Baszler comes up. She she challenges um, Becky Lynch for the for the world title at WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania of the pandemic. So the no no you know the one in the performance center with yeah. the ceiling fan. Mm -hmm. And she needed to beat she needed to beat Becky Lynch. Yeah. And they had her lose to Becky Lynch. Wow. And right right there, the aura of invincibility is gone. Exactly. And unfor and unfortunately. A lot of people that watch main WWE programming don't watch a lot of NXT. So all that goodwill that should, or, or all that, the same thing that we're talking about with Roman and with, with Lashley in terms of the, all the credibility that they built up that ends up getting transferred to somebody else, like, th there's no chance for that there. And instead, you end up crippling Shayna Baszler. Then she gets dumped into this ridiculous, stupid tag team with, with Nia Jax, who, who needs to go to wrestling school. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and now because they want to protect the big Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler is taking pins all the time. Yep. She got beat She got beat again on Raw. Yep. And I'm sitting there going like, how do you fuck up this character? And yet they have. Well, dude, I mean, let's let's be honest. Ricochet had a dance partner on, on Raw this week. 
And what the fuck was Karrion Cross wearing to the ring? It looked like, it honestly looked like they watched Road Warrior, the, the Mad Max Road Warrior movie with Mel Gibson back in the late 80s. And they basically were just, they saw 15 minutes of that movie and they were like, oh, we got it. Here's your ring attire, bro. It's going to be sick. And then in reality, he looks like he's the doorman at a fucking BDSS, at BDSM club in fucking San Francisco. That's what he fucking looks like, bro. They so, you you know you know what it reminded me of. You you remember when Farouk was Farouk Assad? Yeah, yeah. The gladiator with the blue helmet and the blue like it just for whatever reason that's the first thing that popped into mind. It's like you don't need to add cartoony gimmick bullshit to what is supposed to be a badass you know ass kicking guy. So Farouk once he dropped that, then you know he was fine. He went into the nation. He did his own thing, right? With this, I didn't understand the gear change. So he shows up on TV as the NXT champion. They have him lose to Jeff Hardy. They have him lose to freaking Keith Lee. Then they have him beat Keith Lee. Then they have him beat Jeff Hardy. Then they have him beat Jeff Hardy. And now they have him come out. Now that he dropped the NXT title to Samoa Joe, they have him come out in this new gimmick and and crush Ricochet in, in 90 seconds. So what the hell was the point of having him up for those couple of weeks there where they did nothing but damage him, nothing but damage the NXT title? If they had waited until Karrion Cross dropped the NXT title and then started his Raw debut this past Monday, he shows up with new gear, he shows up and he kills Ricochet, I would have been like, fine. Yeah. This makes no sense. And shows a lack of understanding and continuity between the booking of these guys through multiple shows. I 175% agree with you on that one. Uh, made no sense. Basically shows exactly what they think of Ricochet, which is, hey, you're 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 here to give us a couple of cool flips when we need you, and we'll push you. Super jobber. He's a, he's a super jobber, and that's that's what pisses me off. Uh, like, I think you and I have gone into this, right? Like, if mm -hmm. we were playing fantasy Booker, if I really wanted to build some guys up. I would bring in some development guys every once in a while, and I would take the guys who I wanted to really push as my badasses of the company. I'd just be like, hey, Jobber, we're going to pay you an extra 1000 bucks tonight. And the reason we're paying you an extra 1000 bucks is because these guys are going to hit you a in safe spots, but they're going to work a little stiff because they're going to beat the shit out of you. That's what, you would, that's what I would want. I want... I w you need some like standouts and you need a ways to show them off and in and, and the thing is they're like and if you brought in development guys you wouldn't have to do this 50 50 booking of well hold on you won this time but to bring him back well, we need to beat you and then all this shit you just have them have them like fuck up a job guy in 20 in 90 seconds and not destroy a guy like ricochet well even though ricochet's you know established i don't think this ruins him but still it's not cool well, I mean, you can't ruin. I mean, you can't ruin shit. Yeah. Right. Like he's in the shits right now. Like that's I, that, and that's not to speak to him as a talent or to his talent. It's the way that he's booked. Yep. He's booked like he's like he has no value and that he's a piece of shit. That is exactly how they treat him until they need a couple of cute little high spots, and that's yeah. that's it. Um, so what I will say, you know, let's let's jump back to to. AEW for a second because there was a re and you know me I love really good mic work I love good promo and I think the game ball had to go to MJF for that for mm -hmm. that promo that he gave because he basically just said everything that you and I were thinking so for those of you who did not see it 
Chris Jericho hits the mic and basically says, hey, I know everybody's been excited, but I'm not excited because I lost to MJF. It's keeping me up at night. And then he brings up the one thing that would get MJF to come out. And this is, you know, a credit to Chris Jericho, right, to his part of this story, which is, hey, if you beat me, I will retire to that, that announce desk. I will never wrestle for AEW again. MJF, this was the perfect setup for him because I can tell he ad-libbed like 50% of this, right? I, I think he had an idea, but he ad-libbed most of it. His lines were so good. Look at his shirt, bro. It said freaking uh, MJF3, Chris Jarablo, zero, beautiful. What he says was, he was like, when I heard you say my name in the back, I thought to myself, Chris, this is getting embarrassing. <laughs> like, that line was great. Then he goes into... You know, like, even how he ended it, right? Because then he goes, hey, I'll accept this, whatever. You know, being the guy who says I get to ex – he, I think his, his – uh, I'm paraphrasing here. But the line he said where he was like, uh, listen, to get to be the guy who say I ended Chris Jericho, you want this match, I accept this match. And then he goes, but – but, 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 but. And I was like, okay, here comes a stupid stipulation. Here comes some bullshit. Here comes some crap. And it was none of that. He literally just says, keep in mind that I've mopped the floor with you three times. And this is, this is it. Like, if you lose, you're done. Keep that in mind before you go through with this. And then he leaves. And then he's like, oh, and I love his line. I'm better than you. And you know it. Mic drop. Leaves. Beautiful heel work. I've said this multiple times on this program. MJF should be the premier heel of AEW. He should be the premier heel of AEW. Um, I understand that Kenny Omega has, you know, more years experience. He's more established. But when I compare the two in terms of who I want to be my asshole, uh, I'm taking MJF over Kenny Omega at any time. So wait, who, who to That's be an the oddly worded comment? Yeah, who? Yeah, you know what? I stick with it. You want it. MJF to be your asshole? Yeah, I want him to be mm. my personal asshole. <laughs> I want him to be my warm, cuddly. Okay, we're going to stop that. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I would want him to be my premier heel, I should say. That got dark quick. That did get dark quick. Um, what do you feel about the promo in general? I just wish I knew where this MJF has been for the last five weeks. Uh, he was... Well, I well, I, I, I talk about the fact that Seth Rollins dresses like a 60s Batman villain nowadays. Yeah. The last five weeks, MJF has ha, has plotted like a 60s Batman villain. Yes, he has. And now he comes out and he's super serious and he's just like, you're, you know, like he's he's got that aura of I'm better than you. You know, his line, his, his little catchphrase there, his, his logic actually makes sense. Yep. And... Who predicted that that their fifth that their fifth labor would result in a need for a match at all out? Who predicted that? That was you. I believe I believe that was me. Yeah, that was you. So yes. now, so now after going through the five labors, after we all labored through watching the five labors, now they're gonna finish this off with a one fall to a finish match at all out. Yep, with Jericho's career on the line. So now I'm left. Now I'm left to sit here and think. The only way that this can end properly is if. MJF beats him again. You know what? You're right. And I was thinking that whole time, like, does, because Jericho would not just give anybody, like, three wins, right? Unless he really thought, damn, this is, this is the guy. So, 
if he does it, if Jericho does the job, that ultimately retires him. But, I mean, wouldn't – here's where I go 50-50, right? Jericho, in my mind, would want to lo- would want to win for his last match, right, for his last wrestling match, unless Tony Khan is dropping him, like, some, some bucks to, to drop it. Dude, dude, Kurt Angle lost to Baron Corbin in his last match. Yeah, that's – oh, yeah, that's true. That – it's it, – not only was it I, true, I, that's damn true. But yeah, <laughs> what I was, what I'm, where I'm going at here though is, when I first heard that, my immediate response was, okay, Jericho wins the pay per view because that's what I thought. But if Jericho wants to just be done and just wants to wrestle in the ring and he wants to, you know, probably secure his livelihood for a little bit longer because now you've got a legitimate heel. Um, to, to draw that can draw money for the company i mean i think if mjf wins let me ask you this if mjf takes the the title of being the guy to retire chris jericho from in-ring action does it elevate him does it elevate yeah him? oh yeah okay what's not what's not going to elevate and M- see here's the thing so First of all, those two need to get away from each other. They have been involved with each other for well over a year now, yeah. from when MJF became a member of the inner circle and then the breakup and then the feuds between the pinnacle and the in the inner circle and now these matches, the five labors. It's been a long time. They need to get away from each other. With that said, you've now established that MJF, this, I, I, I believe MJF is what, 25? Yeah, he's 25 years old. He's young, like he's half Jericho's age. Jericho's 51 years old. Yep. Okay? Now... If the if the uh, if the goal here was to give Jericho his his win back at all out, then well I, well first of all I think that's backwards. They, if, if they if they wanted to get the need to have another match at all out, then they should have had Jericho win the fifth labor in some bullshit way. Yeah. To necessitate a match back with MJF at all out. So they've had MJF beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him. Now what does MJF gain if Jericho beats him at all out? He gains nothing. Like he gets completely cut out yeah he gets his legs cut out from underneath him so if you're really going to elevate this young really good heel yep who's finally seems to be getting out from the stench of this bullshit that they've mired him in he has to beat jericho yeah he has to they in my opinion they have now they have now booked themselves in a corner with the with the retirement stipulation he has to he has to beat jericho i think so i think you're right there like and then they need to get away from each other 100% 100% get away from each other entirely, which they will. I mean, if he's an announcer at that point, if he gets, like, if he just becomes, like, uh, you know, Randy Savage towards the end of his WWE run, or WWF run, I should say, then I think it works, right? Yeah, I, I mean, if I was if I, if I I was fantasy booking this and I was setting this out like a, like a 12-month period here, right, you have MJF beat Jericho, retires Jericho. Jericho is not leaving AEW. He'll just be on commentary. Yeah. You have Jericho kind of antagonize him from commentary for a year. But meanwhile, MJF is built up. CM Punk comes in. He eventually takes the title from Omega. Now MJF is his first big Yeah. Feud, oh, right? yeah. Punk beats MJF. And then Jericho, because he continues running his mouth, talks MJF into having just one more match. Yep. You know. And then Jericho can win his farewell match at, at All Out 2022 or whatever it is. But <clears throat> because at that point, 
the 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 heat that that MJF has gained for all this ends up getting transferred to Punk. So at that point, Jericho beating MJF and then leaving doesn't damage MJF as much as it's going to if he beats him now. Yeah. So here's so you said okay. So let me ask you this because you are way more educated in AEW than I am. Um, what are the odds that Omega will lose first? Like he'll, as an executive producer, say, "Hey, I'll lose. I'll lose first. Then you take the young kid." What are the odds of that actually happening? That happening? That booking actually taking losing, place? So losing to who? So losing to CM Punk first before CM Punk goes in with MJF. Well, if any of them have a freaking clue what they're doing, that's the way it should happen. Yeah. No, but I'm saying is based on the working politics within AEW, what are the odds that it actually takes place? Well, well, so here's what I'm going to tell you. They they did not coax Punk out of retirement if they didn't have a already generalized plan set in motion. So my guess is is that if part of that was, you know, you're going to get Omega and and if I were booking it, I would have Omega drop the title to Punk. Right, because in my mind, you got to get away from Omega as champion anyway, and they've already decided they're not going to go with Adam Page for whatever reason. So you you let Punk take it. Now you have this extremely popular babyface champion who can take on your your cavalcade of heels, MJF, you know, uh, Malachi Black, who's being elevated. There yes, would be an is. interesting match between him and Punk. As a matter of fact, on on Black's Instagram, Tommy N's Instagram, there was a picture of him doing jujitsu with CM Punk. Punk. Yep. Right. So th- there's all kinds of, and, and Punk is elevated at a point now where he can have babyface matches. He's having it with Darby Allen. You could see CM Punk versus Cody whenever he comes back from filming his latest reality show. You could have Punk versus, you know, the, the, the hint that the not so subtle hint that they dropped during his promo because you know, Danielson's coming in now. Yep. Got to wait a little longer. You got to wait a little yes. longer. Yes. Yeah, yes. they were saying the fans were going yes, yes, yes. And yep. He was like, "Hey, you got to be a little yet. more patient. Not yet." When when That's right. what city would it make most sense to bring uh Danielson in? Probably, well, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be available by then cuz I'm not sure if this is if this has to do with his non-compete. But if I were going to do it, I would do it at the at the uh the tennis center, the the Arthur Ashe Stadium match in Queens on, in September. Yeah. Because you got it's their first time running New York, really. Um, it's the first time that that tennis center there, and I'm I know that tennis center well because it's right across the street from City Field. Um, it, that's the first time that they're going to be hosting a professional wrestling event. It's a huge deal. Um, it's New York. It's a major market. You know, it makes sense to me if if you have him and he's available by then, you'll have Punk just fresh off of uh, beating Darby Allen because. <laughs> If, if 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 the Usos beating the Mysterios was my lock of the night, Punk beating Allen is my lock of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I even they can't fuck this up. They can't. No. But I, what I will say here, I think Punk versus uh, Allen. That's gonna be the match of the night. That's my oh, yeah. lock. My lock is that Punk's gonna bring it. Darby's gonna bring it. And it's going to be what I'm what I'm interested in is because, you know, this as well as I do, maybe even a little bit better than me, not to put you on the spot. But as we get older, you have to change certain things of your life set. Right. Like you do martial arts. Right. So some of the kicks you might have thrown 10 years ago, you probably had to modify a little bit and 
you know, rely more on timing than speed, right? Because that's just reality of the situation. But yeah, unless I want to, unless I want to strain my groin, you know. Exactly. So unless you want to strain your groin, you got to throw it, right? Um, so what I'm very curious to see is, um, you know, are we going to see CM Punk through being adopting more of a striking type style, similar to what Stone Cold did, similar to what Jerry Lawler did? Um, to where, you know, you use more punch. Yeah, you have some slams in there, but, you know, he'll stay off the top rope stuff a little bit more. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see what CM Punk's in-ring style is going to be after being out of it for um, seven years. And then I'm also very – I'm just as curious to see how is how is it going to flow with Darby Allen? Like, how how is that style going to flow together? Because on paper – it sounds like it's a good match, but then when you look a little bit deeper into their styles, because we don't know how, what CM Punk's style is at this point anymore because he hasn't done it in so long, and we know he's going to have to adapt it because he's a very intelligent guy. So it's going to be, hey, how does this flow? How does this work? And then uh, did you listen to his post-event press conference with Tony Khan? Punk? Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, so somebody asked him, like, this the, – the, the thought that I had right now, which is, hey, what have you been doing to stay in yeah. ring shape? And then Punk said, you know, um, this is probably going to get land me in some hot water with some people, but I've mostly been training in my garage because I'm going to be out in front of my underwear in front of a bunch of people, and I was more concerned about looking better <laughs> in my trunks. I, 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 did, I did hear that comment, but, uh, yeah, so that's – Hey, you know what? My, he's a pro. You know, at one, he's the best in the world. He, he'll be fine. Yeah. A little ring rust probably, but my guess is, is he'll slip right back into it. Now, do you think he's going to have a match before All Out, or for now it's just going to be promos no. and they're saving it saving it for All Out? There, he's been back for less than a week. He, he, did, he did Rampage. He did Dynamite. They have one more Dynamite, and then they have the pay-per-view. It would be It would be – it would be dumber than giving us their main event on free TV, which they did on the first Rampage, yeah. to give CM Punk any kind of... They should have a face-to-face. -face. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Get him in the ring, get him eyeball-to-eyeball. -eyeball. But no, they, they, they shouldn't even have physicality. Like, don't... Nothing. And if they... And if... And this is a big if. If they do a contract signing, my only request as somebody who has signed many contracts in my life, could we please go back to, like... Uh, I recently watched the Hulk Hogan Andre the Giant contract signing, uh, which was actually even to this day I'm still entertained by it. It still holds up. It's still fucking awesome. Part of me is like, wouldn't you just have that? Couldn't if we do this, could we not just have Darby Allen on one side of the desk, CM Punk on the other side of the desk? If they both sign their contracts, you know, and then make some sort of exchange that makes it go like okay maybe these guys aren't as friendly as we thought or maybe or it's like oh shit darby is gonna go after him because i would because darby is gonna have to they're gonna have to lock eyes and then darby is gonna who 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 has sold everything perfectly like if you remember uh cm punk's first promo when he came into AEW, when they look up in the rafters there he is standing up with sting i thought his facial expressions were perfect like his his demeanor was like i'm not impressed by you bro like and, just that and, and slow that, neck crack the eye roll mm -hmm. the fucking the the fucking devilish look like i'm coming for you we need to hear that from darby we need to that's hear the only thing 
Yeah, that's the only thing that's missing. I totally agree. He needs to be he needs to be in his face. Yep. Not oh, not oh, I'm so happy to be sharing the ring with you. Not like the shit that 2.0 was doing with Sting, where it's like, oh my God, you're Sting. Yeah. You know, none of that. Like he needs to show up and he needs to be like, I respect you, but with all due respect, old man, I'm gonna put you down on on Sunday. You know, I'm looking for the promo where someone's like, look, as much as I respect you, I want what you have, and I'm gonna take it. Like, and, and yeah, and, and the thing is, is that Darby is not really that great on the mic, yeah. but this is a perfect situation where his kind of low-key, monotone, yeah. kind of matter-of-fact delivery, I think, actually works because Punk's kind of, you know, like, ah, you know, this, that, and all Darby has to do is sit there and say, I respect you, and we're going to have a great match on Sunday, but I'm just letting you know I'm going to put you down. Absolutely. And then just walk away. 100%. I think just subtle, keep it as good as possible. And you know Punk's going to coach that whole thing up before it happens, Damn, so man. it's going to be good. I got, I got goosebumps just from thinking about it. Dude, right there. Dude, remember, uh, and Steve can verify this, we're at SummerSlam, and uh, as soon as Edge, as soon as, like, Gangrel comes up, I've got the goosebumps, yeah. and I literally was like, bro, bro, bro. And, like, we're talking full-blown goosebumps that looked like I was fucking having hives and shit, man. That's <laughs> that's what that's what uh, I felt there. But, hey, I am going to – your sound has not messed up yet, but I'm going to Sweet. reboot it before it does. So, folks um, – we're going to take a one-minute intervention. If you're watching this right now, hit that goddamn follow button. What are you doing? Mm. Also, hit the like button. You know, we do not earn our living doing this podcast, which is a huge problem if you want to stop and think about it for a second here. All right, Steve, I just reset. Could you talk for a moment? Hello. Yep, you're How back. Are you? Yep. Hear me? We are back. Are, are we back live? We we've been live, but uh, oh, yeah, your sound back is up. From our very brief commercial interlude. We are back from our very brief commercial interlude, um, but yeah, Darby Allen's set up there. Malachi Black uh, going into him on the AEW side. He has been booked perfectly, I would say. Um, if you mm. saw on Insta, did you see his Instagram like before the match? He basically had a picture of Arn Anderson down, or it was him. It was like uh, Brock Anderson, the guy he ended up beating up, uh, mm -hmm. and basically saying, "Hey, this is your fault." Something to to Arn Anderson. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna tell you right now. I agree that he's been booked properly up until the end of this match. Why the fuck is Arn Anderson? The first guy to block his spinning, you know, whatever kick that they call it now. Oh yeah, I did what not the catch fuck that part. What was that, dude? And then, and then, because I guess Cody's too busy filming his reality show, they have Lee Johnson coming out. So like, I'm supposed to be impressed that Lee Johnson and and Malachi Black are having a stare down. This is where we're going after Cody. Yeah. Like I was okay with him beating up on Brock Anderson because you know that was kind of buttoning up the you know him spin kicking Arn Anderson from his debut. But I'm like. This is the follow-up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Arn Anderson blocking. I, I watched the highlights. I missed that Un portion. Unless unless the plan is for him to just completely mow through the Nightmare family, which I'm totally cool with. Yeah. Like, if that's the plan, I'll, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to wait and take a – I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach here. But Arn Anderson blocking his kick, I, I actually screamed out loud, what the fuck? He should not be the first guy to block that kick. He should – he, like, 
he should have went to comfort his son, and then he should have got took a fucking another kick to the face, and then that should have been the end of that fucking feud. Like, like, look, I understand he's a legend, you know, but he's also got severe neck issues, which is why he shouldn't be taking bumps to begin with. But, yeah. if he, but why are you giving that carrot to Arn Anderson? I What's have, Arn Anderson doing for you a year from now? He is not doing much for you for a year from now, unless uh, it's it's with a certain signing, which you probably and, could have gotten on your own anyways. And it's shit like that, that that every time I think about <clears throat> MJF should beat Jericho, you know, Punk should beat Darby. In this case, you know, Omega should beat Cage. You know, I, I stop and I say, so much goodwill, so much makes sense. The promo made sense from MJF, you know, Punk and Darby are doing their thing. And then they do that shit, and I go, oh, my God. Like, these people don't know what the hell they're doing. I could, I could completely see what you're saying, and that, that makes sense. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, Malachi Black, he's your badass. I mean, you basically just sacrifice Cody Rhodes for him. Well, put Cody yeah. Rhodes' win on hold because we know when Cody comes back, he's going to get his win back. But that's I got here two words. There. I got two words for you. Brody Lee. Brody Lee, oh god. <laughs> so, so you know, same thing. They had Brody Lee kick his ass for the TNT title, and you think, wow, like that was wow. And then it was just so Dakota could go away and film his, his couple episodes of the Big Big Show that he was doing, Great Big Show, whatever it was called. And then he comes back and he beats Brody Lee in the dog collar match to take back the TNT title and completely undid everything that they tried to do with Brody. That's my fear with with Black right now. Honestly, he's continuing the feud with the Nightmare Family. Why? Why? Who the, who the hell cares? Except that they need to keep him in a holding pattern so eventually he can take on Cody again. And when he does take on Cody again, what's going to happen? Well, based on history, Cody's going to beat him. And then you've completely wasted everyone's time with everything that you... And that's not to say that, ba that Black needs to be undefeated, but that was his signature win. I mean, he pinned him with one foot. Oh, dude, he did, he did the fucking the Ultimate Warrior pin on him with one yeah. foot. That was... That, yeah, uh, if, so I, if Cody's if Cody's gonna get that win back, it needs to be a year and a half from now. It needs to be way down the road. I agree. And okay, so Malachi Black, from what you're seeing, I mean, here here's the thing: you got MJF, you got Malachi Black, who's kind of like your darker heel. Um, mm -hmm. I don't mind Kenny Omega as being one of your heels. I just have a problem with him being your champion. Uh, that's my key issue there. Um, I'm with you on that one, man. I mean, if you look at his, if you look at the his booking and the comedy nonsense and his promos, like especially with with MJF and where he's at, and now you know Punk being in there and everyone kind of elevating their game, he comes off as so upper mid card now. Like it's like like it's it's hard for me to fathom that he's the champion in the same company where you've got CM Punk and you know just like God, like it. He has it's made time for him. It's time for him to move. He has it's made time. the AEW championship non like the fact that the belt is on him has devalued the belt to such a level that I really don't even care who the champion is because now all your top dogs like Punk could Punk could go five years in AEW, never wear the championship and everything is elevated, right? Uh, freaking Brian Danielson, same thing. He go through his entire t time there, no belt elevated. Uh, freaking Malachi Black, even because I feel like he's got this really cool 
dark, twisted. It's not Undertaker-y. It's kind of more like the Wyatt family-ish thing going on with a darker character. I feel like they're all set with heels, but you are correct. Uh, I feel like Omega needs to drop the belt. I actually, it's not going to happen, but part of me hopes he would drop the belt to Christian that way. Because Christian, as a champion, elevates that title to at least where you pay attention to it. Because I doubt he'll, I doubt he'll drop it to one of the young guys to elevate them. Because in honesty, I'd be okay with it if he just dropped it to Jungle Boy or one of the young guys who's been there for a while, who's a fan favorite, and then the then Jungle Boy could drop it to Punk. But you know, elevate yeah, one but, of the younger guys. But we've talked about this ever since the big ten man tag, the the Survivor Series style match that yeah. they did, where it's like, okay, well, what are they doing here? It feels like everything's in a holding pattern. Yeah. It, none of those people are beating him for the title. Yeah. They are now setting up a scenario where they're bringing in these big these big stars. If he's going to drop at this point, if he's going to drop it, it's either going to be to you know if they get around Adam Page again. But I don't know what the what what's going on with that right now. It's probably going to be to Punk or to or to Danielson, honestly. Yeah, I mean I think who, those. Who else? Are, oh, go ahead. I think those would be the only guys that he would drop the title to because I don't think he'll drop it to anybody who it would help. But I feel like if he was, he's the type of guy, if he was to lose, he'll lose to somebody who it at least makes sense and there's no shame of it, right? Like, there's no shame if you lose to CM Punk, right? Like, you're elevated yeah. if you lose to a guy like a that. Adam Page, Adam Page was the only guy that was in position to do it. No one else is in position to do it. Dude. You know, as much as I would like to see Jungle Boy get a shot, Jungle Boy, even after he won the Casino Battle Royal and he challenged... Uh, Omega for the title on Dynamite. He was. It wasn't. It wasn't the time yet to pull the trigger on that title switch. Yeah. Um, and he should not lose it to Christian. I mean, he's already. He's already. Ga- he already gave Christian one pin, and and that was, I think, to to better promote the possibility that Christian could beat him at the pay per view, which was, yeah. which is not going to happen. Well, I think. I think there's that, and then I also think he dropped it because now there's another belt where where you can have a division because you're going to have all these guys coming in. Belts for some reason at least gives like a like a go- a common goal. Oh. Various rankings. Remember, it, it's the it's the Impact title too. I mean, they probably wanted their belt back. <laughs> like Triple like Triple A wanted their Mega Championship back, and they and AEW had to pull a little a little veto on that. So, you know, I I don't know what's going on. It ma- it makes me wonder what the hell the point of the whole belt collector gimmick was to begin with. And I think I think what we're seeing, my opinion is that they they were going down a path where it was going to be Kenny Omega the belt collector eventually have his big showdown match with Adam Page and then you know do business and then all of a sudden plans change because you've got oh we we can get CM Punk yeah oh shit we okay top, stop clear the table new plan yeah oh shit Danielson's coming hold up clear the table new plan yeah right? and that's why it felt like that like like all that momentum behind a lot of their storylines just seemed to stop yeah at at that dynamite with the big 10 man tag yes and it's not it wasn't just with adam page and and now they're kind of scrambling and resetting and and you know because a month ago a month ago did it really look like we were heading towards christian cage and kenny omega and cm punk and darby allen no, no, that was, no. and that's actually a hell of a fucking card. That's a hell Plans of a freaking change. poster. And it looks like Adam Page isn't even in the goddamn company anymore. I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen him. I had, I had heard that possibly he was he was taking some paternity leave or something like that. 
I, I don't. I got to do some more research on that. But either way, it's you know, it, they, I, they, I, I hope that's not true. I still stand by my theory that he banged some higher higher ups wife, ate the last pop tart on the way out, and now they're was burying it, him. Was it Stephanie McMahon? I don't think she's part of AEW, but no. I mean, well, we, we know that people get buried after they're at least rumored to, uh, you know, have partaken in the nectar that is Stephanie. Are you talking about uh, a certain? Ooh, yeah. I don't know about that, man. Part of me feels like there would be something concrete. I read the dirt sheets. I read the forum posts. And then if you really look know. deeper into it, no, no, I'll be honest with you. Like, I wouldn't have a problem if, if uh, freaking uh, Randy Savage got himself in there. In fact, that would make me like him even more. But what I'm saying is... Supposedly like 15 at the time. I, that's a little that's a little too icky for no, me. No, no, no. I think if you look at the timeline, she was actually 18 at the time. Okay, well, that's if different. You, she was 18, I believe, um, at the time. So that makes it okay. Um, well, <laughs> it's kind of... it's It makes it legal, let me say. It's one of yeah, those it things. It makes it legal. And, you know, just because you're legally allowed to do something doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> we, we don't we don't judge here on the Slammer Brothers podcast where we just merely offer an opinion. Merely offered an opinion. So if Macho <laughs> Man Randy Savage, with his gimmick and kind of how his... Uh, with his partying standards of, you know, not being able to wait 60 seconds to do a bump of cocaine on national television. Um, I think him banging an 18-year-old Stephanie McMahon would probably be very well in line, but I don't think it happened. No, no, I don't think so. Hey, how about how about those guys, uh, a couple different guys at, uh, at Allegiant Stadium dressing up like the Macho Man, man. Dude. Like, that was good. That did my heart good. So we were at Allegiant Stadium. There was one guy who had uh, – it wasn't as – it wasn't the high-quality style of replica belts that you have, but he had oh, – that was a – that was very flimsy. He had a flimsy toy, ultra-thin championship belt, but it was the right belt. Uh, he had the Macho Man Eagle, shirt. He had the ma- he had the Macho Man sweatpants, which I need to get a pair of those because those things look sick. They were purple. They had the Macho yeah, Man. Like those, those were those were awesome. Had the vintage logo on them. And then uh, we had a great conversation where I said, "Hey man, Macho Man's my number one." And this dude's eyes lit up. He was like, mm-hmm. "Yes, finally someone gets it." And he was. Like, for me, I well, thought 80s and 90s were, like, the prime Macho Man. But he even went to the 2000s. He's like, yeah, everything Macho Man ever did was great. I'm like, hold on a second. I wouldn't say it was everything was great. But I would say he was entertaining towards the end. But if, if we don't count TNA. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean his, his rap video was, you know. Oh, dude, I mean, listen. I could have done without that one. but According to 50 Cent, if you don't like his rap music you don't know anything about hip-hop so i guess if we're going with 50 cent style you just don't know hip-hop but i far be it for me to disagree with with 50 cent by putting my two cents in exactly what 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 are you 52 cent now i'm 52 cent that's right (laughs) 52 cent well actually if i give 50 cent my two cent that would make him 52 cent right make him 52 cent absolutely that would make me minus two cent Negative two, negative negative two, negative two. <laughs> negative cent. Negative cent. <laughs> okay. It doesn't roll off the, the tongue quite like. I Steve's. think, uh, and I think enunciation on that one is extremely important because we were saying negative two, and uh, not using negative something else. Two. Exactly. Oh yeah. But Ooh, yeah. 
Nah, but anyways, there were some great Macho Man shirts in there. What I loved was somebody had a glowing belt, and I think they were trying to pay homage to either... Um, they are probably trying to pay homage to Asuka with that cosplay, because the belt... Uh was flickering in different colors. It was like, and this wasn't a cheap, flimsy belt either. It looks like they modified one of the good belts, one of the good replicas. I'll tell you, I mean, it was Las Vegas, and with that belt and that that robe that that person was wearing, I'm convinced it was just a pimp who worked their way into the stadium. I I would say that too. And then also, what? Speaking of SummerSlam, we didn't get into this, man. What, here's one thing I will warn you about, about being a wrestling fan in Vegas. When you wear the shirts, you know, you attract some crazy people. Because there was this one guy in the elevator who had a kind of a bullshit story. Um, you know it's bad when you click on the button. They wait until you're already past their floor so they can push on it again. So now you're stuck mm-hmm. with them. So basically we were going up to the 20th floor. He was going up to the 11th floor, and we were kind of in this position where we were both kind of stuck with this guy. And uh, the same night of SummerSlam, uh, Pacquiao fights and Pacquiao loses. And this guy claimed to be a boxing fan. We tell this guy that Pacquiao loses, and he punches the wall of a, of a freaking elevator. And didn't he say something like, oh, I could have won so much money. Yeah. Mm. And as soon as that elevator door was open, you and I, we, we didn't turn our back to this guy. We just walked out. We're like, okay. And he was still freaking out as soon as we You left. have a good night, sir. <laughs> we, we both told that guy, just have a good night because you do not want to be stuck with crazy. Um, not in an elevator. No, I've, I've had that happen before. No. Oh, dude, you have a – we should get the elevator story from you sometime. Oh. Maybe if we just have, like, a fireside chat. Special edition of the Slammer Brothers podcast. All right, so I'm going to ask you this. And, and you know what? I love the format of this show because we just had a nice, a nice free-flowing conversation, yeah. not as formal as we normally go. Uh, but I'm going to ask the million-dollar question. If you had to compare Raw to AEW this week, who had the better product can I vote on NXT TakeOver? You can vote on NXT TakeOver. <laughs> Actually, you know, the only did, did, before I answer your question, did you get a chance to see the, the Volter-Ilya Dragunov match? I did not get to see it. It is on my playlist uh, when so, I get home. So for, for you and for anyone else that, that check that match out, those two guys beat the shit out of each other. So they worked, they worked stiff? Oh, well... Volter just works a stiff style. Yeah. I, I, I love me some Volter, but check, do yourself a favor. Check that match out. Like, that is a that, – that, that was a rough match. Okay. Um, with that said, though, Raw versus AEW, I'm going to tell you that um, I kind of liked Raw a little bit better. Okay. Um, AEW, it, it wasn't a bad show. The main event didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why Malachi and, and Brock Anderson went last. I, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. Um, and and then just you know little little issues here and there, but nothing that was nothing that was bad. I thought that Raw, um, if you tempered your expectations, because I think that there may have been some people out there that were expecting like the post WrestleMania type of Raw. Yeah. I, I don't think we're back fully to that to that scene or that type of environment yet, but. You know, they, 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 I thought the main event was pretty good. You know, Riddle versus AJ Styles, that was good. Um, even the Reggie skit didn't particularly offend me, although I will say that um, they, I liked that they moved it, 
yeah. but they they can't keep going back to that same role. Like they, you, you got to mix it up. You got to mix it up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know like new interesting opponents for for Lashley. I thought you know it was it was just a. I, Raw didn't completely piss me off. You know what I will say for Raw, it felt like a good holding pattern show. Um, a few things. Because here's the thing, I may not like Rhea and Nikki Ash, you know, teaming up because I feel like you take an opponent off the table for uh, Charlotte for out of the women's championship picture. But they need something to do while they feud with Alexa Bliss. So it'll be a fun tag team. It's not going to be Rock and Sock Connection. It's not going to be RK Bro, but it'll be entertaining. Um, dude, how good. I forgot to mention this. AJ Styles versus Riddle. That was mm-hmm. a fucking great match, dude. Yeah. I I loved Absolutely. it because, you know, AJ What was your favorite part of the match? Oh, my favorite part of the match. So, basically, if for those of you who who didn't get a chance to see the match, uh it starts off there's not going to be a match. It's a celebration of mm-hmm. RK Bro winning the championship. So, RK Bro gives uh Randy Orton a custom-made scooter which we know full well that our, our, our Randy Orton is not going to actually get on the goddamn scooter, right? But there is a moment in the match yeah. where Omos tries to, to interfere, and Randy Orton uses the scooter, but he uses it to beat the shit out of Omos, and I was like, that that right there that, is good. That is my fucking brother right there, because that... that, that... I popped so big for that because you know I hate that damn scooter. <laughs> you hate the scooter, but it's like, okay, that is the only way Randy Orton would ever use that thing in any sort of way, which is to beat the ever-loving shit out of a guy like Omos. I and fuck, it makes sense. It made perfect it sense. sense. It's like, so so that was my favorite part. Um, you know, I love Matt's finisher. I love the jujitsu implementation into the matches because Matt Riddle's a legitimate jujitsu black belt. So, I love his pop triangle. I love the I love the submission spot with the rear naked chokes. Um, his finisher He's... with the slam is really good. And then, honestly, dude, for me, this is our or this is the this generation's rock and sock connection. It's two guys who really don't make sense together from a personality standpoint, but their in-ring flow and chemistry and what they bring to the table, they are pro- they're they're my favorite tag team right now. That's why I cop $35 for the shirt and that was my favorite raw moment. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, like you know, I I I was a fan of Matt Riddle's work in NXT. I thought that, you know, he was an annoying stoner douche on the main roster, but and he hasn't really changed except that now it's not so offensive to me when partnered with you know, stoic, you know, Viper, Randy Orton, like like the odd couple pairing works. And for whatever reason, I'm significantly entertained by it. I'm, and I think I'm most entertained by, how does this end? Exactly. How does it end? Well, what's right? interesting to me is it's getting, you see it subtly, and, and Orton, to his credit, is doing a good job. Every week, Riddle is starting to get over with Randy Orton a little bit because it's like, okay, this guy's kind of annoying, but oh shit, he can fight. Like if you see Randy Orton's uh, facial expressions while Riddle's in the ring, now he's starting to care about him when he takes a bump. Now he's starting to cheer for him when he when he, uh, he has a good moment, a good spot in the match. I feel like 
in terms of storyline chemistry, those guys have it. And maybe it's because we saw stoic Randy Orton for so long where he was just a very, very dependable heel. I call him the most dependable heel of all time, meaning he does what you think he's going to do. He does it very well. He does one thing, but the, but the caveat is you need somebody, a really good baby face who can draw money for him to work, which is why his WrestleMania with Batista didn't do shit because neither of those guys are really dynamic on the mic or bring anything to the table of significant value. Well, they just have to fight the urge to do what they normally do with acts like this, which is overexpose it and water it down. So I think if they do this right, they could ride this whole thing out until WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fresh. It's new. It's fun. It, do, it doesn't offend everybody's intelligence. Yeah. Like it like they eventually they're going to have to button up this this thing with AJ and Omos. But once they do. Look at look at you know the landscape's open for whoever they want to work with. I think and 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 they're they're such a tweener team in terms of Orton and Riddle that they could take on both heel and babyface tag teams. Yes, they can. They're believable so, on all sides, know, and they're, and they're easily the best thing on Raw right now. Raw I, is a hard show to watch sometimes. It is. You know what? It's easier now that I do what you do. I just DVR that shit. Yeah. Uh, so when you condense, when you move it from three hours to an hour and forty-five minutes, which is what you get when you cut all the commercial out of it, it's actually watchable. Um, but I agree. Sometimes it's very hard to watch. Sometimes the booking decisions suck. Sometimes it's like you see somebody who is getting a lot of heat just instantly get their nuts chopped off. It's not a good look. But to agree with you, I think AEW had some great moments, but. It was not a better product than Raw this week, but they were both enjoyable products, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it's the the funny thing about the the setup right now is that unlike unlike the Monday Night Wars in the '90s when you had to choose, yeah, you don't have to choose because they're not in direct competition in in terms of nights of the week. Yep. Right. You have the ability to. It, it's not an either or proposition right now. It's an I, I like both. I like both. Yep, I do like both as I well. I like both. I like me some NXT. I like to get me some Ring of Honor. I'm I'm starting to get into a little bit of, of NWA because I, I kind of dig Tyrus as the as the new World Television Champion. I, I I get I get a kick out of Tyrus for whatever reason. So you know, and and they've got an interesting uh, card coming up where they're going to have Nick Aldis defending the World Title against Trevor Murdoch, fresh out of like 1978, um, with his career on the line. So it, you know, it's like. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great time to be a fan, man. Like, you know, and, and more returns and surprises coming, and, and pretty soon we're going to be on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, hard to believe, you know? Yeah, no, it, I... It's, a, it's an interesting time, man. It's, it's a very, very interesting time. And you know what? It, what's also an interesting time? It's a very interesting time to be a part of this podcast, and yeah. for those of you watching at home who really want to be a part of this podcast, you need to make sure that you're following us on Twitch. You're subscribed to us on YouTube. Give us those five-star reviews. We are literally everywhere you want to listen to podcasts, and that'll help us with the algorithm, and that'll help more people such as yourself flow into our situation here. Also, the Slammer Bros on TikTok is quickly picking up traction. Be sure to toss us a follow there. Um, thousands of views. Thousands of views, babies. Hundreds of likes. Um, definitely, I'm going to be posting there daily 
uh, giving little digestible chunks in case you don't want to listen to us for an hour and a half. Steve, is there anything you want to say before we take this home? Nah, you've said it all, man. What else is there? What else is there to say after that that glorious transition, that smooth that smoothness that you delivered it with? You know, taking us from the conversation right into the close. I don't want to interrupt that any more than I just did. So I will just turn it back over to you. Hey, I'm on Instagram, Steve underscore Slammer. And now back to you, sir. All right. You can follow, even though they block, even though they immediately deny all my videos because I have some haters. Once you get over 25,000 followers, you get some haters on TikTok who immediately flag my videos for any freaking reason possible. You can find me at OJack Slammer on TikTok. And if you're looking to get into shape, I'm here to help you. Go to jackslammer.com. Whether you're trying to get stronger, bigger, smaller, sexier, or increase your fuckability by two points on the Richter scale, I'm here to help you get into shape. That is jackslammer.com. I am Jack Slammer. This is Steve Slammer, and we are signing out. Thank you for another amazing podcast, baby.